Appreciate that. He did a great job, didn't he? Praise the Lord. Well, last Sunday we had two messages. I did the 9 a.m., my son did the 11 a.m., and uh, most people keep the same pattern. So you probably, most of you here, uh, heard the 9 a.m. message, my message, on the two cultures out of Isaiah chapter 60. And uh, I got through my introduction, and so I wanted to continue this message today that I titled, Awake, Arise, and Shine. Awake, Arise, and Shine. And uh, just to briefly go back into like the introduction of the two cultures. In Isaiah chapter 60, it talks about the glory of the Lord has risen upon you and your light has come and uh, the kings and Gentiles and sons and daughters are going to be coming to you. But it also talks about darkness and deep darkness over the land. And so we have like two different things happening all at the same time. And I got to thinking, uh, when I was in high school, I read a book, Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. Anybody ever read that book? Great book, classic book. It's on the French Revolution, and uh, it starts off, classic way it starts off, because it could be really a mirror of what Isaiah 60 is all about. It says, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Starts out just like that. And it describes two different times in the city of Paris. It was the best of times for uh, for the kings and the queens and the uh, people in the royal court and the, and the rich. It was the best of times, but it was also at the same time the worst of times for the peasant, for the poor, for the oppressed. And of course, that sets you up for the great French Revolution. But here we have this in Isaiah chapter 60. The best of times the worst of times. The best of times for the believer, for God is at work and God is on the move, it's the worst of time for those that don't know God. And so reading Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 4, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. Well, the light that has come is Jesus. And then it says, And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I'm going to talk just briefly about that glory, the glory of the Lord. For behold, now this is the worst of times, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the best of times, the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. So there we have really the two times that it's talking about darkness and deep darkness, but the light and the glory of God. I I hear a lot about the glory of the Lord. We need to see God's glory. And usually when people talk about seeing God's glory and praying for God's glory, what they're talking about is the visible manifestation of God. As seen in the Old Testament as a cloud and a fire. Like the pillar of cloud with a, with a fire in the midst of that cloud and the visible manifestation that you see in the Old Testament, that you see in the tabernacle, that some have seen uh, in their churches and they're praying, oh Lord, show us your glory. Let us see your glory. And they're talking about that cloud and that fire. And that would be awesome to see that. But the glory of the Lord is a very broad category in Scripture. Different things that the Bible talks about that reveal the glory of the Lord. Number one is Jesus Christ. We beheld his glory. 
we beheld his glory. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Jesus is the brightness of his glory. And so seeing Jesus with eyes of faith is the glory of the Lord. The Bible also talks about how the Holy Spirit is the glory of God. The Bible says that the spirit of glory and God will rest upon you. Did you know that if you have Jesus and that you have his spirit, you are experiencing the glory of the Lord? The Bible also talks about the glory of the Lord being his power manifested in the miraculous. Jesus says to uh, Mary and Martha, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Of course, then he resurrected Lazarus from the dead. The glory of the Lord is also seen in the beauty of creation. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth showeth forth his handiwork. In this passage of Scripture, when it says your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for us as New Testament believers, let's look at it this way. We have the glory of God because we have believed on Jesus. We have experienced his indwelling Holy Spirit, and because of that, the power of God is going to be displayed upon us and through us. Somebody say amen to that. And I love that aspect of the glory of the Lord. Well, how are we to live in these dark, dark days? I titled this message, Wake Up, Wake Up, Right? Arise and Shine. We talked last week about how darkness tends to put Christians to sleep. And darkness is also a sign of deception that comes upon the whole world. But I'm talking mainly to believers here today. This darkness that puts Christians to sleep. Because you tend to fall asleep when darkness descends. It's hard to fall asleep when the sun is shining in your eyes. But I tell you what, when darkness comes, nighttime comes, you get yourself in a comfortable position. You begin to relax. You begin to shut your eyes. You begin to drift off. Next thing you know, you're asleep. And the Bible says in the last days, Christians are going to need to wake up. Wake up. Because there's great darkness. And what do we do with this great darkness? Well, instead of uh, becoming strong and alert and watchful, we allow the darkness to cover our eyes, we get comfortable and we fall asleep spiritually as it were. And so we need to wake up, wake up, to wake up to the evil that's in this world. The Bible tells us that the last days will be like the days of Lot and Noah. You've read that, right? Listen to what it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. As it was in the days of Noah... So it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. So the Bible says in the last days, we are in the last days, it'll be like Noah and Lot. What were those days like? Well, there was a hostile culture to the gospel, and we definitely are living that way right now. The culture is hostile to our message There was sexual perversion. We see that all around, do we not? Sexual perversion. There was increased demonic activity. And I'm telling you, a lot of the sexual perversion and violence, I'm just seeing demons. Demons. Demonically inspiring people to do perverted, gross, violent, heinous things. Constant evil in the heart characterized the days of Noah and the days of Lot. 
there was widespread corruption and violence. The Bible says during the days of Lot, also during the days of Noah, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Now listen to this. Conditions before the flood and before the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah were terrible. But the wickedness was accepted as normal and routine. The wickedness was accepted as normal and routine. That's the way it becomes sometimes, doesn't it? It, it, it just There's just so much around. It's ubiquitous. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, it's there. And next thing you know, uh, it, this is just the way it is. And there is there becomes a gradual acceptance of the ever-rising level of filth and immorality and violence and wickedness that is filling the land. That's the way it was in the days of Noah. They had no clue until the rain began to fall and the floods came. Then they realized, oh, we should be in the boat. Or the days of, uh, uh, of uh, Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, they had no clue that God was going to judge. And there they are just going about their day in all that wickedness and perversion. And next thing you know, fire and brimstone starts raining down from heaven and they are destroyed. The days of Noah and Lot. We need to wake up to the evil that is all around us. Wake up to that. Arise and shine. Wake up to the coming of the Lord. Do you believe that the coming of the Lord is drawing near? We should, because it's been 2,000 years since Jesus announced that he's returning. We tend to what? Fall asleep. It's not coming in our lifetime. People have always thought he was coming, but he hasn't come. I have plenty of time. I don't need to be alert. I don't need to be awake. But the Bible says, so much the more assemble yourselves together and encourage yourselves in the Lord as that day is approaching. I always tell you, and I preach messages on this through the years, when our attitude should be this when it comes to the coming of the Lord, be ready, be calm, be busy, be filled. Be ready, be calm, be busy, be filled. Be ready. Live your life in such a way that you are ready for his return. Be ready, be calm. Fear not. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be overcome with fear. God's in control. You're in his hands. You're living for the Lord. Heaven has promised to you. He's going to give you overcoming grace. You don't have to worry about being, uh, being destroyed, for the Lord has you, right? Be ready. Be calm. Be busy. Be busy with what? Not with, uh, with just filling up your schedule with all kinds of things that you can fill up your schedule with because busyness, excessive busyness, can destroy one's devotional life. But be busy about your father's business. Be busy with the Great Commission. Be busy serving Jesus. Be busy shining your light. Be busy doing the will of God. Be busy spreading the gospel. Because as darkness is arising and covering the earth, the Bible says in the last days the kingdom of God, the gospel is going to be preached to all nations. In the midst of all this darkness, there's going to be a group of people that are busy sharing their faith and giving the good news. 
Be ready. Be busy. Be calm. Be filled. Be filled with the Spirit of Almighty God. Well, we got people busy down in Mexico City right now sharing the gospel with these short-term missionaries. God bless them for that. We got an outreach coming up here in the month of August. We're asking you to help us shine our light to be busy sharing our faith. Listen, this world lies in the lap of the wicked one. They're blinded by, by the enemy of their soul, the devil, lest they believe we have the light. We need to be busy going Going out into this world and letting them know that our light has come. That our light has come. Now, uh, we're not living in a culture that is saying, oh, please tell me all about it. They think our sexual, uh, our, our biblical sexuality is weird. That we're the wrong ones. That they believe our right to life standards are weird and wrong and they believe our stance on marriage is wrong and they believe our 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 whole belief system our whole morals and values are not right but we don't compromise that what we do is say no let god be true and every man a liar christ has saved me we believe these things and we're going to be bold in our faith and take the gospel out into this world We don't shrink back and hide, but rather seeing and knowing that there's deep darkness out there and there's a a rejection of what we believe in our moral values. What do we do? We step out in faith and we move out into this world full of grace and the boldness that comes by the Spirit of God and we share our faith in the midst of a hostile world. So that they might see the light, so that God might be gracious, so that they might be saved. Somebody say amen to that. We need to be a bold church, don't we? Charles Spurgeon preached a great message out of Isaiah chapter 60, this passage about arising and shining and wake up. And he says this, a city suffers under the plague with an official walk in the streets crying out, Bring out the dead, bring out the dead. All the while, a doctor with the cure in his pocket sleeps. A passenger ship reels under a storm and is about to crash on the rocks, bringing near certain death to the hundreds of passengers. All the while, the captain sleeps. A prisoner in his cell is about ready to be led to execution. His heart is terrified at the thought of hanging from his neck, terrified of death and what awaits him after death. All the while, a man with a letter of pardon for the condemned man sits in another room and sleeps. Well, let's not be the Christian that has the hope, the message, the saving gospel, the answer. Let, uh, we, we know Jesus. Let's not be sleeping as this world is perishing, but rather let's wake up. Wake up. We need to wake up, don't we? Wake up. Darkness has covered this earth. But arise. Arise. That's the second thing we need to do is when you wake up, what do you do? You get up out of bed. You rise up. I love that word, arise. It's interesting. There's many people in the Old Testament the Lord said literally, get up. That's what he, uh, in the in the uh, original language, Hebrews, it literally says, get up. He said to arise or get up to 
Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, Elijah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Jonah. He told them all to, in the New King James, it says, arise. But in the Hebrew language, it says, get up. (laughs) Get up, Moses. Get up, Jeremiah. Get up, Jonah. Enter the land. Preach the gospel. Give the word. Rise up. You know, in Daniel, God, God sent an angel and says, because Daniel was struck down and feeling weak, and, and the angel comes and says, stand to your feet. I think of Peter asleep in the cell, and the angel came and kicked him and woke him up. Some, Come on, Peter, I'm delivering you. You know, we could be struck down by fear, by trials, by disappointments, struck down by our own personal failures. And the message of the Lord for you today is arise, get up, stand to your feet. There's a work to do. There's a God to worship. There's a stand to take. We need to arise, right, and meet the challenge. The enemy has come in like a flood. The devil is walking, seeking whom he may devour. It's getting harder, not easier to serve the Lord. God spoke to Jeremiah about this. You know, Jeremiah was a prophet right at the very end of Israel's existence. I mean, he had the the privilege and the honor and the challenge of preaching to the people of God that judgment was coming, that they needed to repent. And if they didn't repent, Babylon was going to come and destroy this nation and carry them away captive. Well, you know what? They, they didn't listen, and sure enough, Babylon came and carried them away captive, and Jeremiah was there. He saw it all happen. He saw it all happen. But uh, Jeremiah was shrinking back from the challenge. He didn't really want to have to preach that word and stand up to those people and face that opposition and uh, put his life in danger and go through the hardship and the challenge. He didn't really want to do that. And so the Lord sent Jeremiah a message. And I think it's pertinent to all of us here today because as we see darkness just filling the earth and the culture being more and more antagonistic and against us, you might be saying, you know what? I I think I'd just rather would just uh, seclude myself and protect myself and and not step on out there. But listen to this message that God gave Jeremiah. It's for us. He says, if you have run with the footmen... And they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? Basically, to paraphrase this, the Lord is saying this Listen, Jeremiah, you got to toughen up, you got to get stronger. If running with footmen are wearing you out, listen, they're, they're coming with horses. And you're going to have to run with the horses. And being being in the plain is bad enough. Wait till the flood comes. I mean, if you find it difficult now, Jeremiah, and you have a give up in your spirit now, I, I want you to know, the Lord would say, is that it's going to get harder, not easier. It's going to get harder, not easier. Are you listening to me? 
It's going to get harder, not easier. If you're finding it difficult now, your spirit's grieved and the darkness and the immorality and the perversion and, and the culture and uh, everything is so seemingly challenging. If you think it's hard now, well, I got some news for you. It's going to get worse. It's going to get harder. And so God told Jeremiah, go to sleep, get in a fetal position and suck your thumb. It's over for you. Is that what he told him? No. He basically is saying, if you think it's hard now, it's going to get harder. So come on, Jeremiah. Strengthen yourself. Wake up. Get up. Arise. Get up. Arise. And that's what we need to do. Sometimes, you know, we are like uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Corinthians. Sometimes we are struck down. You know, life just beat us down or our failures caused us to collapse or the prolonged trial has taken the strength out of us or you just get so tired of the opposition. You know, the Bible says that Lot's righteous soul was vexed by the evil deeds of the Sodomites. I mean, there was iniquity all around him. Oh, man. And, and you, you have a tendency to just collapse under that. And that's not what God wants you to do. I got this great song. It's really been ministering to my heart. It's a, it's a portion of the song, and it talks about how, you know, there, perhaps you have some bondages in your life, but you're going to lay those bondages down. You're, you're going to look to God. God's going to be faithful. He's going to deliver you. He's going to raise you up. All, all you want is Jesus. You can take the world, but, but give me Jesus. Does that sound like a great message? I'm going to play that song right now, a portion of that song, and I just want you to receive the words, worship the Lord with it, open up your heart. It's going to get harder, but God's with us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Am I right about that? All right, let's play this song at this time.
Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. You know, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And, uh, you know, the month of July, we had the American flags out there and wanted to celebrate uh, being a citizen of America and take uh, great patriotism. God bless America. I'm a patriot at heart. And, uh, and then today, and we'll do this for the next few weeks, we have the Christian flag out there. And, uh, you know, the red cross and the blue background and the, the white. And, of course, the white speaks of purity or righteousness. The blue is a color for heaven. It's a type of heaven. And, of course, the red cross, the blood of Jesus, right? That's why we're righteous and can go to heaven. So I love the, uh, the American flag. Of course, I love the Christian flag. And, really, it's our dual citizenship. It's our dual citizenship. And you sense that tension, right? I'm a citizen of this world or I'm a citizen of America and I have to live down here and I obey the laws of the land. I need to be a good citizen and exercise my right to vote. But I'm also a citizen of another kingdom, America. And the three words that sum up my political philosophy is what? Jesus is Lord. That sums up my political philosophy. Jesus is Lord, right? He is the God. He, he demands my ultimate allegiance. It's first to God. It's first to Jesus, second to our country. Our country comes second because he has wonderfully saved me. Because Jesus is Lord, I vote my biblical values. Because Jesus is Lord, I vote my biblical worldview. You know, we've been given the right to vote in America, and so there's power with that vote. And so I exercise my power in the political realm as a citizen of America by voting Jesus is Lord, my biblical values. Everybody get that? And so uh, I'm going to say the Pledge of Allegiance to the Christian flag. And uh, perhaps you can pick up on this. We used to do this years ago at youth summer camp or vacation Bible school. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. You guys did great listening to me. That's awesome. Let's say it together as best you can. Just gather up the words as you can. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. Well, I hope you don't have any problems saying, I pledge allegiance to Jesus. Because I've given Jesus my heart, my soul, my everything. Amen to that. And Jesus comes first always first years and years ago i was in egypt uh doing the leadership conference there and uh just ministering to the egyptians and uh 
Christians there and greatly persecuted there for their faith. And, uh, of course, there's cultural barriers, language barriers, cultural barriers between me as an American Christian them as Egyptian Christians. They're just cultural differences. And uh, I was concluding, and uh, the Bible says that the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Christians first in Antioch. So I was talking to the Egyptians, and I'm saying my, my, my goodbyes to them. That's the last time I was going to be preaching. And I said, uh, I said, you're an Egyptian, and I'm an American, but I'm a Christian first and you're a Christian first. We prioritize our faith because we're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Somebody say amen to that. So the Bible says that we are to, we are to arise and shine for our light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. So we're supposed to shine our light. So wake up, arise, shine. So we need to make sure we shine Jesus, shine the truth, And what is the truth? The Word of God. And I've told you this a number of times. Don't ever be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of any verse in the Bible. It is God's love letter. It is God's. I mean, the culture rejects the teachings of Scripture. They reject the Christians that believe the truth of God's Word. They say that we're haters and that we're this and that, but I want you to know it's a love letter. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. As Christians, we are not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of any verse in the Bible. We're not ashamed of any teachings of the Scriptures. We shine Jesus, we shine the truth, we shine the light of God. The Bible says we're supposed to shine our hope. Listen to what it says there in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The hope of heaven, the hope of righteousness, the hope of eternal life, the hope that's rooted in Jesus Christ. We have hope. We have hope. Uh, The world gets darker and darker and plunges deeper and deeper, and uh, uh, their hearts begin to fail them. But as Christians, we have hope. And you should shine your light and shine the truth and shine your hope and shine the love of Jesus, right? The love of Jesus. The Bible tells us, get this thing squared around here, John thirteen thirty five. by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Always speaking the truth in love, sharing the hope of Jesus, shining the truth of God's word, what it teaches, shining the light of Jesus Christ, This world lies in darkness, ever-increasing darkness. We have the light. The culture is against us. But we go out with boldness, not with anger and fear, but with the love of God in our heart, with the message of the gospel. Somebody say amen to that. And the Scripture says if we would do that, if we will arise and shine, listen what it says. Lift up your eyes all around and see. The Gentiles shall come to your light. They all gather together. 
they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. How many of you might have children, some sons, that are distant from the Lord? How many of you have daughters that you're concerned about, that you wish that you could just pour into them and pour into them and keep them from the evil? The Bible says that if we would wake up and arise and shine, then the Bible says God's going to do a work even in our children. Does that sound good? That sound good? Praise the Lord. Let's all stand in the presence of the Lord. Can we do that? Let's all stand in the presence of the Lord. And perhaps you're here this morning and you need the light of the gospel to shine in your heart. Do you? Do you need the light of the gospel to shine in your heart? Bow your head in the presence of the Lord. Can we do that, church? And just be praying right now, church, for those that might be here that need the light of the gospel to shine in a dark heart. Just be praying right now that that takes place. You're here today, and man, you need the light of the gospel to shine into your heart. You feel like you're in darkness. You're still in your sins. You're still apart from God. You still have all these fears. My friend, you need to give your heart to Jesus. You need to be saved. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Tim, I want you to pray with me. I need to come to Jesus today. I I need hope. I need his love. I I need salvation. I need forgiveness. I need all these things. Uh, Will you please pray for me? I will pray for you.